0: Hey, what's going on, guys? What's going on? I hope you guys are having a great day. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. Now, today, as I was running with my wife, a thought came to mind on the topic I wanted to discuss with you guys. Uh, And it has to do with uh, what I call black celebrity worship. Um, I was thinking about what what went on this week with Deion Sanders and uh, also with um, Brittany Griner. And uh, there's a theme here, and uh, I'm gonna lay this theme out for you. Uh, so get comfortable, buckle up your seatbelt. We're gonna get started on DrVoiceTV.com right
1: now. Here we are, clan the cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. stick to cosign for three, what did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own, educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten, three PhDs, now we're on the CNN, DBTV, let's talk about negligence, ignorance is blissful, we can turn into intelligence, believe none of what you hear, half of what you see, let's break it down, here on Dr. Like voice TV,
0: Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, I want to say hi to everybody. Shout out the city that you're from. Let me know what city you're from as you come into the chat. Uh, If you have not done that yet, let me know what city you're coming in from. And I see Yoshika is out of Houston. Uh, What's up, dude? Dude, love. How are you? Uh, Michael, uh, Jamal, I'm just here to say, okay, my name is Corey. What's going on, man? Uh, Hey, Thea, how are you? Good to see you. It says Gerald Weeks TV. uh, Thea, okay. Uh, what's up? Um, uh, from Baltimore. I see you in there. All right. So, uh, let's, let's, um, hop in, uh, Wallace from Orlando. I want to talk to you guys about, uh, some stuff that was going on this weekend. So here's what happened, right? So I was out running with my wife and my wife's so pretty. And, and I just, I just, she hypnotizes me every time I look at her pretty ass. And, uh, and we were just kind of jogging through Arizona. We're actually here for, uh, I'm speaking at this conference called women doing it big. And it's, uh, uh, a great conference with amazing women who are doing it big, and I'm uh, meeting some amazing people, and we are getting our exercise because health is wealth. Well, you know, I was thinking about this stuff that happened this week with Brittany Griner, and uh, also the other conversation happening in the community involving uh, Deion Sanders. Uh, give me a yes and no in the chat if you've kind of been following some of this. Let me know. Give me a yes and no in the chat if you've been following what, what went on with Deion. Uh, give me a yes if you've following what's, what went on with Brittany and uh so i'm sitting there and i was i was just sort of talking to my wife about some of this and one of the things that, that came to mind was uh, i said this is so fascinating that there is this divergence of opinion about Brittany and dion right and and it, there's an alignment there in terms of how the opinion shaped up uh we do surveys with you guys you know like i did a survey uh, on my, because my wife and I are both, you know, scientists, we're data scientists. So we like to see surveys and stuff. And And I asked you guys how you felt about the Brittany Grinder trade for uh, for Victor Bout. Victor Bout is um, an international arms dealer known as the merchant of death, who literally sold most of his weapons to Africa of all places. And I said, how do you feel like this? Do you feel like this is a fair trade? 79% of you said no. 21% of you said yes. And, and I think that it's important. When we have these conversations that you respect the no and you respect the yeses. Uh, My friend, um, Dr. Nicole Price, is an expert in empathy. And one uh, thing that she believes, which I agree with her on, is that the ability to empathize with points of view that differ from your own is a really powerful skill set. So what I would encourage you to do is uh, listen to uh, perspectives that are different from yours and try your best to understand where they're coming from. So I'm going to practice a little empathy, all right? So give me a yes if you get what I'm saying. Give me a yes if you understand that empathy is a valuable skill. So uh, here's a little empathy. My empathy is that uh, I didn't think that the Britney Grinder trade was a fair deal either. Um, I, The Merchant of Death, uh, they made a whole blockbuster movie after him called Lord of War because he killed so many people, mostly in Africa. Um, I don't think that that was a fair trade for a basketball player. I just don't think that that garners uh, a lot of respect uh, by, from other countries toward the United States. I think it does make our country look weak. Um, I was a little concerned about that. Uh, but however, however, um, me practicing empathy would be me saying, you know, I understand why you'd be happy that Brittany was brought home because Brittany Grinder did not deserve to be in jail. Uh, Brittany Griner, uh, or if she did deserve a punishment, it wasn't nine years in prison. Uh, she was a political prisoner. Uh, I think that they locked her up mainly as a bargaining chip to be able to bring home their international arms dealer. Uh, I think that this is a, a warning really for any celebrity, any celebrity uh, that's high profile, be really careful when you go overseas because other countries may detain you just so they can bargain with you, right? And that's a—it's uh, kind of scary to have be locked up in prison for two years, waiting on the president to come and get you. That's a very scary place to be. So um, anyway, with that said, I think the same thing is true with the Deion Sanders conversation. Uh, in fact, how many of you uh, understand why Deion went to Colorado? Give me a yes in the chat if you understand why a man would would take a job uh, paying him 5 to $7 million a year, uh, why he would want a job in a Power 5 conference. Give me a yes in the chat if you understand why a man would want to be on national TV um, you know, and play in a conference that could get him to the national championship. Give me a yes in the chat if you can empathize with that or if you can agree with that. It's okay. I want to start there because I think it's really important to do that when we have these conversations uh, about Griner and Sanders because you guys know I'm, I've been pretty clear in terms of expressing my disappointment in the whole situation. I, I believe in black institution building. I believe that uh, that we had an asset, a man that was an asset for the black community and now I see him being an asset for the white community. Uh, he's he's making money for himself, but before he was making money for everybody. He's making making money for the whole city of Jackson. Now he's making money for himself and his kids. I get all of that. That all makes sense. I just don't agree with it, right? So I think it's really important to have conversations in that way because I'm actually going to break some of this down and let you guys know some of the trends that I see here. Uh, now, before I move on, do me a favor. If you just came in, hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up. Make sure you share and subscribe. The uh the, also this podcast is on Spotify. It's on Apple. If you go to Spotify or Apple and look up the Dr. Boyce breakdown, uh you can find the podcast on both of those platforms. Make sure you hit the notification bell so we'll be notified. I think some of our channels get shadow banned. So sometimes the 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 tr- it's harder to get get you guys in here. It doesn't make any sense when you have hundreds of thousands of subscribers and it's just like a, they only notify 200 people or something, right? So, uh, But it is what it is. It's life. It's That's what happens. So um, uh, hit that notification bell if you'd like to be notified when we go live. And my website is com. All right, so here's what uh, <clears throat> I was thinking about this morning as it pertains to Britney Griner and Deion Sanders. Let me ask you all a question. <clears throat> Give me a yes or no. Joe Biden, um, you know, engaged in a lot of international diplomacy, uh, high stakes bargaining chips and released uh, the most notorious international arms dealer on Earth to get Brittany Grinder back. Do you believe, give me a yes or no, do you believe that if your black ass was in um, Russia and got busted with some weed and they locked you up for nine years, do you believe that Joe Biden would do the same thing or that Joe Biden would do anything similar to get you out? of jail like do you believe joe biden would go get you like do you think he would like the cavalry would be coming like they just because you're an american citizen and you're important and uh and you matter like do you believe give me a yes or no do you believe that joe biden would come get you if you were locked up okay um anybody who says yes i'm gonna tell you i think that you're delusional um you know I'm even a little famous, and I know Joe Biden would never come and get me. <laughs> he would, I did, it would just be like, oh, yeah, there used to be this guy named Boyce Watkins, and he's been in a Russian prison for 15 years, and everyone forgot about him way back in 2022. That's what the story would be for most of us. Okay, um, So the fact that Brittany Griner is seven feet tall or 6'10 or whatever she is, she's big as hell, um, and, uh, and that she's a famous WNBA player, that is the differentiating factor. That is why he went to get her, but would not go get you. Okay? Let's, let's just be clear. Give me a yes if you can at least agree with this point. Give me a yes if you follow what I'm saying. Right? Um, the, the second point, let's go to uh, Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders just got offered 5 to $7 million by the University of Colorado because he's a damn great football coach. You know, he's good. He deserves to coach at the highest levels i think he's going to do great things there i think he's got a shot he's getting some five-star recruits man he i i can't wait to watch them play i'm going to cheer for them when i watch them. but let me ask you this if you're not if you are not a, a basketball player who's six foot eight and can dunk a basketball if you can't throw a football down the field to run a four yard 40 yard dash in 4.3 seconds or, and you're not coach prime, you know, internationally known because you play for the Dallas Cowboys the San Francisco 49ers, the Atlanta Falcons. Do you think that the university of Colorado would hire you? Do you think that, you know, if you were just, let's say you were just a really good biologist, if you were a really good biologist, like one of the, like let's say you were just damn good at biology or you were, um, you were, you know, a professor of, let's say finance, my PhD is in finance. Do you believe that the University of Colorado would offer you a job. Now, as you as you answer that question, sometimes I like to make my point with very obvious questions. Um, I'm going to do a Google search: University of Colorado, finance faculty. And I want you I want you to tell me if you notice any trends. This is these are the professors they hire. Now we know what their athletes look like. A lot of their athletes are going to look like us because universities make billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars from your athletes you don't get that money they keep that money they use that to build up better facilities so they can get more of your athletes y'all y'all do understand how this game is played right so um let me show you what i found when i when i did a google search for the university of colorado finance faculty these are this is my field finance these are the professors that they hire so let me see if i can find this window. I'm going to show y'all this. Hold on. University of California. Here we go. All right. Any pattern. What do you notice here? What do you notice in this picture? Y'all y'all see any sh- sh- Shaquitas? Y'all see any prime times in the, in the finance department? <laughs> any Brittany grinders? <laughs> well, they're hiring their professors where well, they're looking for their intelligent people. You know, do they hire black people? Now, this is a brother right here, but he's leading. The, this is he's walking with the the doctoral students. So I don't know that. I don't know what this picture is. I don't know what the context is here, but I know these are the professors. And when I look at the here go business school, let's look at this picture. I, I want to see if I can make it bigger. I can't make it bigger. Gosh, dang it. Hold on. I lost the image. Shoot, shoot, shoot. Let me see if I can go back and pull it up again. This is this picture over here is a picture of all their professors. And I don't see a whole lot of melanin in that picture at all if any melanin at all now now i'm not i'm not sitting here now again i want to make this clear i love prime time i'm, I'm a cheer for him man I, I think it's great i mean i'm happy for him but here's the deal here's what you got to understand about white folks in case you don't know how they how the world operates i'm not hating on white people this is not me voice against white people i'm not trying to take i don't have time to hate anybody they like you when you can be an asset to what they're doing in terms of making money. If you are a a basketball player, which you have some of the best basketball players in the world in your community, then you can go to these schools. You can get opportunities there. If you are UCLA, if you throw a football down the field, they'll recruit you in a second. But the black male students at UCLA were protesting because they said there are, if you take away the athletes, there are almost no black males on this campus. And then if you look at the faculty, there's almost no black male professors on that campus. So you've been typecast. It's almost like in Hollywood where when black actors apply for a role, you could be trained at the highest level and Juilliard and been doing Shakespeare your whole life or whatever it is, you, you, whatever fancy type of acting. And you go come in there, they're going to be like, no, we need you to be the crack hoe. We need you to be our pimp. And that and that's what they'll do. They have a they have a way of viewing you that comes from how they see you in the media. They see you as a rapper. They see you as a baller. It's not a coincidence that Dion and Brittany are athletes. If that's not a coincidence. Athletes are put in a special category. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm talking about? And what occurs is that when athletes and entertainers are put in that special, in that privileged Negro category, the masses of black people get left behind. You kind of get left behind, Uh, you know, so so you go apply for a job because you hear Deion Sanders is going to the University of Colorado and you say, well, I'm a really great, I could be on the accounting faculty of the University of Colorado. They're going to look at you and say, no, Negro, we don't need you to come here to do accounting. We need you on the football field or the basketball court, or we don't need you at all. We only want you here if we can utilize you to build the empire that is the University of Colorado. Right. So 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 if you want to understand why I insist on having this conversation, it is not because I have an issue with Deion Sanders as a human being. I do not know this man. It is because I have an issue with America. I have an issue with us. I have an issue with our self-esteem. I have an issue with our celebrity worship where we will literally a sign on anything that a celebrity does because they're famous. Did you guys know that Nielsen Nielsen does Nielsen ratings? How many of you have heard of the Nielsen ratings? Give me a guess to know if you've ever heard the Nielsen ratings. Anybody heard the Nielsen ratings? Well, in the Nielsen ratings that they use on TV to tell corporations, mostly white-owned, how to get money out of black people, one thing that the Nielsen uh, group told them is that if you um, put a celebrity in your ad, black people are far more likely to buy your product. It doesn't matter if it's laundry detergent, sneakers, or dog food. Black people will buy your dog food more if you have a celebrity promoted. White people don't do that as often. Asian people don't do that as much. They literally said, African-Americans, if you want the African-American dollar, and they got 1.6 trillion of them, you have to put a celebrity in your ad. If you do that, then you will get their money. You have this fascination with celebrities where you put them above yourself. And so everybody that comes in and says, Oh, doc, you just hating, dog. You just hating. Just save your breath, bro. I've heard it a million times. Call, I'm I just put me, I'm gonna be the player hater of the year. How about that? Call me the hater of the year. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm okay with because I hate white supremacy. I hate the idea that you believe that their ice is colder, their institutions are better, that being with, next to them somehow makes your life better. You and it's not your fault. Because you were trained on that in school. When you went to school, they spent 12 years brainwashing you to believe that integration was the best thing that ever happened to you. So then by the time you run into me or Dr. Claude Anderson, you're 40 years old. You're 35. You spent your whole life hearing the wonders of integration and wondering what the hell's wrong with Black people. And then suddenly we're trying to flip the narrative. That's a hard U-turn to make most people can't make it. It's it, it, it creates lots of stress and frustration in their mind. And I get that. I understand that. So that's why I'm patient. I'm very patient with the Negro naysayer. The Negro naysayer is a person who has a problem for every solution. The Negro naysayer is a person who gives every time you challenge a celebrity, well, why are you hating? That's a celebrity. He's famous. He, that means he's perfect. Everything he do is right. I like him. No, just because somebody's on TV doesn't make them better than you the community matters more than the celebrity. And that's something I think is is okay to say. And I think it's something that we should consider. Now, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, if you go to boyswalkins.com, you can actually learn about something we're doing in the black business school. I've had a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you ever teach at an HBCU? And I have to tell the story a lot, just so people will know that that was actually something I wanted to do. I tried very hard. When I went to Howard University, they had a Chinese man interview me for the finance department. And I did not understand why a Chinese guy was running the finance department at Howard. I, I don't know if he's still there, but it was really weird to me. And uh, and it just didn't quite work out. We I couldn't convince this Chinese guy that I, that I was capable of teaching black people. So what I did was instead of trying to get into uh, an HBCU, we just created one. We created the Black Business School. And we are really good. We have PhDs and experts from all different backgrounds. Just last night, Julian Gordon, who graduated from Stanford and UCLA, uh, gave an extraordinary presentation on how to invest in multifamily real estate. My wife is a full professor of social work and a licensed therapist. So she's she's really she's the only faculty member in the history of her institution to get a Fulbright scholarship. So with my wife's therapy background and my PhD in finance, we created the first ever black financial therapy department. And the reason we created the black financial therapy department in the black business school is because we needed to understand on a deep level, the psychological barriers that keep us from building black wealth. You have no idea how trained you are to not understand economics. They trained you to be somebody else's asset. They trained you in such a way, like from birth, I'm telling you, they have brainwashed you to believe that you're not supposed to be the beneficiary of your labor and of your skill and of your intangible and intangible resources. They they trained you to believe that. That's why Dr. Claude Anderson wrote a beautiful book called "Black Labor, White Wealth," because this is a two way street. This is a two way partnership. So we created the Black Financial Therapy Department to figure out what kind of financial therapy. Do, do, do our people need in order for us to understand black wealth? So if you'd like to learn more, just go to BoyceWalkins.com. So I, I want to lay that out there because I know I get a lot of people to say, why aren't you teaching that at HBCU? You, you should be at an HBCU. Man, I I, I created a black institution. We have 153,000 students around the world. We have trained over 10 million black people how to invest in the stock market. That's a multi-trillion dollar power play. Yeah, you know, And I never once thought about going to some big white institution because they offered me more money. I mean, I I didn't wanna do that. I wanted to be here with you, but I also had to train myself to accept the idea that being next to black people was more valuable for me as a black man than being next to strangers, okay? It's no disrespect to white people. No, We don't dislike them. I don't hate you. If you're white and you're you're here, we love you. We love everybody. I, I do, I love everybody. But at the end of the day, we got to love ourselves. You know, we got to love ourselves the most. Give me a yes in the chat if you can understand where I'm coming from. I'm not telling you to agree with me. I'm not telling you to tell to say Deion Sanders is a sellout. I'm not telling you to say that Brittany Griner should go back to jail. I'm not asking you to say none of that. Just give me a yes if you can understand why I'm arguing and advocating that you should love yourselves as much as you love these celebrities. These celebrities are not better than you. I'm around them. I know, I know famous people. I know a lot of them. And do you understand? I don't. I've never. I force myself. Don't get too caught up because somebody's famous. I get excited. Everybody gets a little starstruck, like, "Whoa, that's so and so." But then I stop myself. I never call celebrities. Celebrities call me all the time. I've had a lot of them reach out. Tyler Perry and and you know, when Ice Cube and Kanye and all these other people have called me, I've never once called any of them. Not one single time have I ever reached out and said, hey, "I'm Boyce Watkins. I just want to know if you can if you can go take a look at what I'm doing. I, I'm hoping you put me on the map." No, when I met Charlamagne the God. It was because the Wendy Williams show called me and asked me to come in there. And that was a deliberate strategy. I'm not going to go chase down celebrities because I don't believe they have the right answer. The right answer is in the community. Black power is in your backyard. See, celebrities, unfortunately, they can't live without white people. They can't survive without white people. They, They need that validation. They need a white man to sign a check. They need a white man to put them on TV. They need a white man to make them relevant. See, you figured out the secret sauce because you don't need anybody to make you relevant. You know how relevant you are. You know, so 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 when I'm around, you know, when I meet a black father who found a way to make a way, who grew up in the hood. And yeah, I'll give you an example: Curtis Conway. Curtis Conway is a great brother that I know in Atlanta. He's married to Layla Ali, the daughter of Muhammad Ali. Curtis and I became very, you know, really good friends. I like this guy a lot. And uh, and I love I love talking to him because this brother is like he homeschooled his kids. He 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 built this amazing family. He's got this powerful legacy. He's built on what his wife and what his father-in-law, Muhammad Ali, have already sort of created. His father-in-law represented and loved the people over all the glitz and the glam and the shine of the celebrities and all that stuff. And uh, and that's why we became instant friends. Because I said, here's a black man who knows how to truly build something without believing that he has to go beg and borrow in order for him to even start thinking about the building process. Uh, you know, There are people that can build things and then there are people who only know how to connect to things that other people have built. And so I <clears throat> feel <clears throat> and perhaps naively, you know, I was hopeful that maybe with Jackson State and the HBCUs, I thought something was being built down there. I really did. I'm not I'm not going to lie. I really thought. That yeah, Curtis Conway. Yep, he's a former NFL athlete. Yep, he played in the NFL. And the crazy thing about Curtis that I love is that that's not that's only a tiny fraction of who he is as a human being. You know, he's, he's he takes far more pride in being a black father and a husband and raising black children than he does in football exploits on the football field and all that. It does so. So this is a good point because there's nothing wrong with being a great athlete. There's nothing wrong with being a, a, a great rapper. But you can't let those things define you. Those things do not define you. And you can't let those things make you think you're better than other people. All uh, right. So, anyway, let me keep going. Let me keep going. All right. So, so so a couple of things I want to mention on this is um when you talk about this uh, black celebrity worship. Now, I mentioned to you guys that that they've had studies that show that black people really look up to celebrities a little bit more than everybody else. <clears throat> and remember that you know the, the Britney Grinder treatment by Joe Biden. Is not the treatment that you would receive. You know, Joe Biden went out of his way to get Brittany Grinder out of jail. At the same time, he left thousands of your relatives in prison right now that he put in prison with his three, three strikes laws. So I, I I want to point out the irony of that. That it's like okay, we've got the special Negro over here. We're gonna go get her and and literally risk national security. To go get her. Remember, this is a time of war. You're letting out one of the most notorious Russian warlords of all time uh, in the middle of a war, which is just you know a little mind boggling to me, to be honest with you. But, uh, but, but the black people that I could literally get out right now by signing an executive order. Pay attention now. Listen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Joe Biden could sign a piece of paper right now that could let out 20,000 of your relatives right now, many of whom are still doing 20, 30-year prison sentences that were handed down by Biden's three strikes laws back in the 1990s. These same three strikes laws would have put his son Hunter in prison for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But he didn't apply to his son Hunter because Hunter is special. Hunter is better than you in his mind, right? He's different from you, just like Britney Griner is different from you. But for you, it's whatever they want to do. And here's the thing. The reason they get away with this is because you don't allow people who are thinking about these things to influence your thoughts. I got to go in here. I'm going in here. I'm, I'm coming in as a scholar trying to lay out very carefully refined thoughts that I've really thought about for really hard. And I got to deal with somebody uh, just running, man, you just hating dog. You just hating. And I'm just sitting here confused because I'm like, brother, I am 51 years old and I'm not a teenager. Why are you talking to me like with a couple of 19 year olds. Oh, I get it because you're trying to use language that is hip and consistent with what you're hearing from your favorite rapper. When I know many of the rappers that you admire, and many of them have lives that are a complete mess. Many of them are this close to dying before the age of 40. Many of them might get shot in the street, Men end up in bankruptcy court, could end up in prison. But yet, these are the people that you're looking up to. No wonder you, you are so lost in God. I listen to brothers from the Nation of Islam who uh, have no problem loving black women, caring about black families, speaking as articulately as they possibly can, and being strong men in the process. That's what I admire. I don't admire buffoonery. Buffoonery is tacky. And uh, and one of the challenges of being black is that you um, it's hard to have intelligent ideas in a space that is so anti-intellectual, but it's not your fault entirely because that's what the media does. That's, you know, when Joe Biden wants to interview black people and because he's running for office, he doesn't talk to the thinkers and the scholars and the people that really know what's going on. He talks to rappers. Am I right or am I right? You know, name named the last time a, a, a major political candidate in the Democratic Party sat down and had a tough conversation with uh, an intelligent person who was truly advocating for the black community. People like me scare them to death, scare them to death and so 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 anyway let me keep going so uh so you know the way I kind of see it is um I'm gonna say this too let me throw this out there uh how many of you give me a yes if you saw this how many of you saw what was going on uh with the conversation with Dion and everybody was basically I guess again because we worship celebrities and we want to justify everything they do how many of you saw um um how many of you saw Dion uh, in in that interview clip where it sounded like he was saying that Jackson state ripped him off and took his money. And then people were saying, see, that's why he left Jackson state because Jackson state was stealing from him. Did anybody see that? How many of y'all saw that? Give me a yes in the chat. If you saw that, that little video clip It went kind of viral where they were claiming that Dion Sanders was uh, ripped off by Jackson state for ticket sales. And uh, that's why he left. Anybody, anybody see that? And people ran with that. You know, the people that worship celebrities and justify anything they do, uh, we're pretty much saying, see, that's why they need to stop stealing from him. That's why he left. Let me just say this: that is not true at all. That is not true. Jeff Lacy Jr. Shout out to Jeff. Jeff is with the Black Balls Channel. Jeff uh, gave the whole context. He explained that that clip was not Dion talking about Jackson State. That was a clip of him laying out a hypothetical scenario during an interview, and he wasn't talking about Jackson State. And uh, and but but because people are so quick to believe that. University of Colorado is pure and that this black school must be dirty and stinky and criminal. They just ran with it. And here's the thing. You do that with black businesses all the time. Has anybody ever seen uh, a a black person who will go to one black business, have one bad experience, And then say, see, that's why I don't support black business. I ain't never going back to no black business because they always trying to overcharge you. And then they did. They just be messing up the food and they be taking too long and they got an attitude. And then but then they'll go to a white business and things will go bad at the white business and they'll never they may still keep going to that same white business, but they're not going to boycott white people. They don't say, well, I'm never going to a white business again because I went to one and they they messed up my order. So I'm never going to a white business again. They, ne- they, they don't do that. They don't do that. Right. So, so to, to me, it's like when I saw people bashing Jackson State and talking about Jackson State like a dog. It just reminded me of how some people, some of our own people will talk about a black owned business like it's a piece of crap, like it's worthless, like you're a scammer. But yet, say nothing when Popeye's Chicken sets up shop in every black neighborhood in America and rakes at least two billion dollars a year, selling you refried diabetes, heart disease, strokes, and heart attacks. But yet, you ain't got nothing to say about that when they when they come through. You just say, "Pass the chicken, sir." Please pass the chicken, sir. That that chicken sandwich was delicious, sir. But you got but a black-owned business. You got all the smoke. A Negro could come through your neighborhood selling twenty-dollar books, and you like. You're a scammer. You're stealing. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Popeye's chicken is selling you poison. Like they're giving you the fried chicken crack pipe, and you ain't got nothing to say about that two billion dollar a year bag they're pulling right out of your poorest neighborhoods, killing your grandma. Half y'all neighbor, half y'all damn relatives got diabetes and heart attacks and strokes and heart disease and everything else. Got big mama got a foot cut off because she been eating fried chicken for thirty years. You ain't got nothing to say. But yet you got all the smoke in the world for a black owned business, even if they're selling something that might actually help your ass. That stuff has to stop. That stuff has to quit. I'm not here to say I don't know. I ain't never been at the Jackson State University. I've never been to that school. I spoke at Grambling. I've never been to Jackson State. I'd like to visit one day. I've been to Jackson, Mississippi. A lot of good people. there. Um, And I don't know if Jackson State is perfect. They're probably not. I've taught at many universities, many universities, most of them white universities. I've taught it, you know, the first black university I taught at was the black business school. I didn't find one that would hire my radical ass. So I had to go create something of my own. And I'm very proud of that. But I've taught at the University of Kentucky, Indiana University, Syracuse University, and the Ohio State University. And I've also taught in China and Europe and other parts of the world. And Let me tell you, ain't none of these institutions perfect. Ain't none of these institutions perfect. Ain't none of these institutions perfect. So when you're telling me that Jackson State might have made a mistake and that that justifies them, the you know, everybody abandoning black institutions, that you sound just like those guys that only date white women because they swear that black women are all horrible, pathetic people. Or that white girl or that black girl who goes and says, I, I want to be like Meghan Markle and marry Prince Harry <laughs> because black men ain't shit. Seriously. It's crazy to me. It's sad. No, no, the black, it ain't that black men ain't shit. Maybe you ain't shit because you're giving up on all black men because you chose to date a couple of pathetic thugs who mistreated you. And you somehow typecast an entire group of people because you have chosen to create experiences in your life that have been terrible for you. It's crazy to me. So now you got the Meghan Markle dream. You you want to go marry Harry not even noticing the fact that his family got rich, killing black people and taking their property. Like, you don't even take a minute to notice that. That's that's an oversight in your book. That's But that's just fine print. That's just a, a extra add-on. But yet you have all the negativity in the world toward people that look like you. I mean, that's, that's just self-hatred one-on-one. You know, and, and, and it's interesting because I, I can tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, I have had some really hard experiences with black women. I have had some black women terrorize me in ways you would not believe, sometimes in public. I have dealt with, I have gotten death threats from a black woman before. I've dealt with some of the most ratchet, crazy, ridiculous black women you can ever imagine. But you will never see me giving up on black women altogether. The types of people I've led into my life, that's a reflection of myself. That's a reflection of me, maybe trusting the wrong people making bad choices but i got me a black wife and i never thought about marrying Meghan markle or or well megan's kind of black she's half black but i never i never had a, a prince harry Meghan markle dream that, that never even crossed my mind i never thought that somehow white that, that that black people being imperfect makes white people pure and and so when people talk about jackson state versus colorado when they say well at least in boulder there's no crime then you're saying, okay, well, Jackson, there's crime, so that can't be in Jackson because they got criminals and they'll steal your stuff in the locker room. And Or when you're saying that Jackson State stole from Dion and that's why he has to go to Colorado, you act like Colorado can't steal from you too? Well, Colorado schools like Colorado, they steal from the whole black community. How do you think these big white universities have gotten so rich? Do you think that these universities, what do you think that they're, income would look like if they didn't have access to black athletes. What do y'all think? You think if 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 NCAA schools, what do you think would happen to Nick Saban's career if he couldn't get access to black athletes anymore? That program would shut down. The University of Alabama would have no football program. That 20, 30, 40, 50, 80 million a year that they're making ceases to exist because damn near every great athlete Nick Saban has had for as long as i can remember has been a black man so they are literally picking their best flowers out of your community and what i'm asking you to consider i'm not asking you to agree i'm asking you to consider this i'm not asking you to agree is i need you to connect the dots and i need you to ask yourself how can institutions grow in a community where nobody is investing in those institutions How can you ever have strong institutions if nobody ever is willing to make the sacrifice to invest in them? That's like asking, how can a baby grow to be six feet tall when nobody feeds the baby? Everybody wants to go to the club and they leave the baby at home by itself. The baby's not going to live. Somebody's got to make the sacrifice. There's going to be somebody who's going to be the stupid person who misses the chance to go out into the club. Who's going to say, you know what? Somebody need to be here with this baby. Let me stay here with this baby. So so when it comes to building black institutions, the question becomes, who's going to stay home with the baby? And the reason I rock with you, the reason I rock with the community and the people that understand where we're coming from is because you're the ones who chose to stay home with the baby. You know, I see a lot of you running black owned businesses that ain't making no money <laughs> where you could easily go back to corporate America and quadruple your income tomorrow. I see many black people who are building things that that are extraordinary, who could easily go to other places and get a nice, fancy, shiny job. You know, and and, and so what I like about that, what I like about that movement, which I think should be acknowledged, celebrities are never going to agree. Celebrities are celebrities are almost always going to side with the celebrity. That's why the narrative you'll hear from a platform like this is going to be different from what you're going to hear in mainstream media. In mainstream media, celebrities will almost always go with the celebrity, almost every single time. So you you will be hard pressed to find any black person on TV who will challenge the fundamental assumption that Deion Sanders should go to go to Colorado because Deion's gonna make more money. That's because their formula is very basic. Uh, White people have the best institutions. They have the best of everything, the best equipments, all the other stuff, and they have the most money. So you go to the place where the Mm -hmm. facilities are nicer and the money's there because that's quick and that's easy. That's fast money. But unfortunately, these individuals don't have much of a legacy because they're not investors. They're not investors. Investors are people that build massive legacies because they pour into something that isn't there. They create something new And make the longer term sacrifice to build up something and build it into something that people can be proud of. They see the vision. They have the vision. And so so what effectively occurs is we outsource the visionary work to white people. We, We say, okay, we're not really built to be institutions. You know, black labor, white wealth explains this. We're not necessarily trained to control the assets. We are trained to be the assets. So rather than us building institutions that elevate us and elevate our people, we'd rather have you build an institution that is built on our backs because that's what we've been doing since slavery. Do you understand how many institutions in America, including the University of Colorado, have been built on the backs of black people? Do you understand how much your ancestors sacrificed to build other stuff that is eventually controlled and owned by other people. So so ultimately, you know, if, 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 if I'm trained to be the oil inside the engine, then I'm never going to understand what it means to actually own the car. I'm not even thinking on that level. That requires a different frequency of, of processing and a different level of, of skill and commitment and everything else that isn't necessarily there. You're not getting that as a kid. You're not hearing that as a kid. Most of you, give me a yes or no, yes or no. How many of you grew up in a household where old black ownership was a regular conversation topic? How many of y'all grew up in a household where entrepreneurship and and uh, and owning assets and buying property and owning stocks and bonds was like something you talked about at the dinner table every day? I'll wait. I'm waiting to see how many no's come up. <laughs> like, you never, like, seriously, how, how many of you, give me a yes or no. Did you grow up in a house? where your parents each day, twice a week would talk to you about acquiring assets and property and investing in, a, in, a, in your small business to make it big and managing people and managing teams and delegation and the use of technology to scale up your, your enterprise and everything. So anybody grow up in a household like that? Anybody grow up where the thinking was aligned on, on that level? Okay. So let me ask you another question. Give me a yes or no to this. How many of you grew up in a household where um, everybody went to work every day, for, working for somebody else, um, how many of you grew up in a household where you your biggest dream was to go to school so you can make good grades maybe and, and go get a skill or a trade and get a good job? How many of you grew up in a household where uh, maybe nobody knew how to start a business, but everybody knew how to fill out a job application? How many of you grew up in a household where when somebody got a new job, it was like very exciting? It was like somebody getting out of jail or something. Like you were excited, happy for them, right? You made be through a party. How many of you grew up in a household where uh you know where black people sit around and we would complain about our boss and how mean our boss is to us, as if we have no other choice? We have no other choice. So so what, what happens is that when you come in and you're talking about actually creating something, when you're the one that says, hey, you know, we really don't have to put up with this shit. We can actually build our own. Man, you sound like an alien. You sound like you're coming from another planet because you're talking to people who have been trained to have a self-perception that limits them to the space of simply being somebody else's employee. So some of the people are going to get it. Some people are going to say, yeah, that's right. Woo-hoo, let's go do it. And they're going to run with you and they're going to rock with you and they're going to support you and they're going to learn with you, Right. And then you got some people who are just going to get mad at you, right? Like, because it, it's, it's so far out of their range of, of possibility to even imagine themselves being the boss or imagine another black person being the boss, right? That's why a lot of times we might mistreat a black business owner, treat him far worse than we treat a white business owner. It's like, okay, you're where you're supposed to be. It's the same way. So, the same way you've got them, they've got you typecast, you've got them typecast. You see them as the owners, the bosses, the people running the institutions. There's nothing shocking when you see a white man that's, you know, that's that owns a massive building in, in, in the middle of Chicago or or is running a big university like the University of Colorado or whatever, right? That's common, right? Uh well, in their mind, they're like, okay, it's 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 common for me to see uh black people working for white people. It's common for me to see a black man as an athlete, a rapper, or a thug. It's it's common for me to see a black woman as you know serving me in some way but but to see a black person as my boss or to see a black person actually running and controlling an institution that's odd that's like seeing that's like watching a horse drive a mercedes you're like horses don't drive you're supposed to ride a horse how the hell did they get that horse in the front seat of that mercedes that ain't supposed to happen. So, so you've got to learn how. So a lot of this stuff, and this is something that we've been exploring pretty heavily in our Black Financial Therapy Department in the Black Business School. Uh, you know, again, my wife is a real therapist. I know that some people have a hard time imagining Black people with PhDs, but my wife is not just a professor. She's a full professor. Anybody in academia knows that, look that up. A full professor, most professors never become full professors. That means you get tenure and then they give you another promotion after you get tenure because you are literally that that much of an important part of the institution. That's how much of a badass she is. So when I sit and I talk to my beautiful, intelligent black wife uh, about black people and wealth and, and, and things like that, we go deep into areas like self-esteem, self-perception, what you believe about yourself. Who told you that? Who told you that you're supposed to be somebody's servant? And at the end of the day, what you're going to find is that that we've got to change how we talk to our kids. We've got to change how we talk to our kids. We've got to instill that power of God in them to help them understand you have the ability to manifest whatever you would like to see. There's nobody that you need in order for you to survive and be successful. Yet supporting your people is the most important thing uh, that you can do in this world. And you don't have to put up with anybody's shit. You know, and, and, and I and I would just say at the end of the day, what, I, what, what ends up frustrating me is not so much that, you know, like if you talk about Dion, you know, I don't think Dion doesn't have the right to take a job that he wants to have. He should do that. He should do whatever works for him. I just, I just kind of wish our celebrities had a better perception of what they're capable of accomplishing. And I wish they had a different set of values in terms of how they measure their own success. And if, they, if you change that, if you simply change self-perception and value systems, meaning who you think you are and what matters to you, then what you're doing is you're shifting the currency away from a white supremacist construct. The white supremacist construct says uh, all I want is fame and money. If I'm on TV and I'm getting paid, then I'm successful. And I and, and my thinking is like, no, you're not. <laughs> any A buffoon could be put on TV. Kim Kardashian is one of the most famous, most wealthy people on the planet. She got there through a sex tape. She's not a bad person, but she's not the best among us. She's not the greatest among us. The only thing that makes her great is that she figured out how to become rich and famous with no talent whatsoever. Kanye, nice guy, but Kanye was a damn fool to marry a woman like that because there's nothing about her on any level that makes her into an extraordinary human being. Fake booties and $100 million in the bank does not make you special. It just means that you live in a weird world where we celebrate things that are strange. That's what we do, right? So so, so what, what I would say is, you know, when you're really talking about this, I think that celebrities, any celebrity that's listening that wants to do the right thing, I would encourage you to really question your value system. You know, I need you to question also what your what your potential is. You know, if 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 this guy's sitting on a billion dollars, and this guy's sitting on a hundred million, and this guy's sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars, and and you've got all these connections, to all these people, and all this stuff out there that you can do, why not take that shot? You know, ask yourself, what is it that you're doing right now, other than your art, your performance, that people are going to remember or be able to benefit from a hundred years from today? Is there anything you're creating right now that has the chance to exist a hundred years from now? And if the answer is no, then you're wasting your life nine times out of 10. I'm not saying you're wasting it completely. I'm not trying to be mean, but really you're wasting an opportunity. Because if you look at American institutions, you look at universities, like let's go right now. Let's do an experiment. Hit the thumbs up button while we do this. If you can, please hit the thumbs up button. Uh, also, by the way, you can go to boyswatkins.com. We've got a lot of good stuff on my platform. Uh, my wife have a, and I have a, a, black wealth, a Black Family Wealth Masterclass that we're doing right now. You can still join us. Everything's recorded. Uh, you can bring your whole family, one membership. You can bring bring a buddy for free, bring your family for free, actually, just with one membership. So that's on my website, boyswalkins.com. Also, I, I have a class uh, on how to generate consistent income by selling stock options. So feel free to do that. There's also free stuff. I have free eBooks, all kinds of things you can pick up. So feel free to go to boyswalkins.com. Our goal is to help you as much as we can. So let me, uh, let, let, let's look this up. Let's see here. History of the university... Colorado. Let's see. Let's see where the uh, University of Colorado. Okay, so uh, the timeline here of the University of Colorado here, let me show you. See, this is the thing. If you're always uh, attracted to big, shiny objects, then you're missing the whole game of institution building. It's like somebody saying, I want to have a child. I want to have a son. I want to have a big, strong son. Right. And you say, "Okay, great. Well, you get your wife pregnant and she's going to give birth to this little baby. And, And imagine if you didn't know anything about how children grow, you would look at the baby and you'd say, "That's not a big, strong son." Like I want a big, strong son, so you would want to go adopt a kid, right? You'd be like, "No, I'm gonna go adopt a 28-year-old, so I can have a big, strong son." And they'd be like, "No, no, that's not where babies come from. They start tiny and then they grow, right?" Institutions are the same way. We want to be atta- attached to the big, strong son. We want to be attached to the big, strong institution that's become this big, massive, multi-billion-dollar behemoth, and that's what we compare ourselves to. And we don't realize that no, we've got to start having economic babies. We've got to create some babies and then feed those babies so those babies can grow. So let me show you, since since we're talking about Dion and the University of Colorado, let me show you. Uh, I and this is literally me moving on the fly, but but so maybe I could end up uh, hitting the wrong page. But this is the origin of the University of Colorado. Now, Dion showed you all the shiny stuff and how fancy it is and everything else. This is where how the University of Colorado started. Look at this, it's one building, not much bigger than a lot of people's houses, 1877. Uh, they opened their doors on September 5th, 1877. They were they had one building called the Old Main. They built it with donations from the community and land that was donated by three prominent Boulder residents. So literally, a lot of y'all in this room could start an institution that could become as great as, you, as the University of Colorado, because a lot of you together could probably buy this much land, and you could probably buy a building like this. All right, so then uh, here's some white guy with a beard. I don't know who this man is. This is their first president. His name was Joseph A. Seawall. He was the president from 1877 to 1887. Now, he, you know, Joseph, I imagine, you know, maybe they paid him well, but chances are since it was a small school, he probably wasn't getting paid very much, Uh, but he wanted to invest in in building this institution, so that's what he did, and they built their first dorm uh, called Seawall Hall, and then here's another lady. I don't know who this lady is. Uh, She is, this is you. I want you to see this as you. This is who you are with humble beginnings 100 years from now. 100 years from now, your great-grandchildren will be looking at old pictures of you and wearing clothes that you think are hip, but they're going to look really funny. They're going to look like old-fashioned clothes like this, and the picture is going to look black and whitish like this, except it's going to be like higher tech, like we think it's high tech. Like this picture to them was high tech back then, but it's not high tech now, right? So whatever you think is high tech now won't be high tech then. They're going to have holograms and all kinds of shit, right? So here's, this, here's a lady. Uh, she started with uh, something with gender equality. OK, so she became one of the first professors. So University of Colorado had one apparently had like just a couple of professors and she demonstrated that the state constitutional charge to educate men and women equally. She, so she engaged in the crazy, ridiculous, radical act of believing that women can actually study and learn and stuff like that. This isn't that long ago. So these are some images of the architecture. This is 1917. You see the school kind of growing and coming up. This is President Norland. Apparently, uh, Norland was an integral part of the, of the university's growth. He oversaw Charles Claude's redesign of the Boulder campus. He stood up to the Ku Klux Klan when it was a powerful influence in Colorado politics. He warned the country of the dangers of Nazism and anti-Semitism. He led the university through the hard years of the Great Depression and eloquently defended academic excellence and freedom. So let's keep going. So here's another picture, 1938 to mid 1950 civil rights efforts on campus. Yeah, 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 but none of these people in this picture are black. I don't see any black people in this picture, so I don't know where that's coming from. They always try to make themselves look good. This is World War II. So what I'm showing you here, the reason I'm pulling this up, the reason I'm kind of using this as an example is to say that institutions – Start small. When you start your great institution, it ain't going to be great when you start it. It's going to be raggedy as shit in some areas. Jackson State isn't a fraction of what it's going to be 50, 100 years from now if people invest in that institution. But if no one feeds the baby, then the baby will die. HBCUs are teetering. They're teetering and they're they're being forced to make hard choices. Two things have to happen, really. I think for you to grow into a powerful institution, number one, you've got to be constantly fed. Number two, you must constantly evolve. I worry about our HBCUs because I worry about whether I worry about their capacity to evolve. Uh, I also worry about HBCUs because I'm fully convinced that Black people really just don't care that much. I think that you know when you have a whole community, full of people that just celebrate job-seeking behavior and that's it, like that's all you can do, that's a problem. It does not mean that job-seeking is a problem. It's just like basketball. If all you know how to do is dribble with your left hand and shoot a jump shot from the top of the key, then you will never, ever win a basketball game. If you've only got one move, you can't win because eventually other teams will figure out how to stop that one move and then you won't be able to score points anymore. So for black people, your problem is not that you have job seekers, that's okay. Every community has job seekers. Your problem is that you only got one damn move. Your one move is, son, when you want to get money, fill out a job application. You it to white man, white man will feed you. Well, then, you, then why don't you start calling him daddy or start calling him your guide? You go to church, you're like, Lord Jesus, please um get help me get a good job, help me make more money, blah, blah, blah. So then a white guy comes along and gives you the better job with more money. So he's effectively been able to invoke his, the power of God to manifest something. He overheard you praying in church. So he said, Boy, I'm I'm here to answer your prayers, boy. And he gets you that job and get you that money. You like, thank you, sir, thank you. That is a form of white supremacy. That is white supremacy. That's what that is. And so so one of the things you also have to understand is you got to get away from worshiping money. Money is very important. You need money to do things. but if you only focus on money, then you're always going to be behind the white man. Like you can't like it's like if I'm competing with um, let's say I'm competing with uh, LeBron James, and LeBron says, uh, let's have a competition, Doc. I want to see who's the better man. And I say, okay, let's play basketball. Whoever wins, we're going to play to 12. Whoever, whoever scores 12 points first wins. Well, that's stupid. That's dumb. That's dumb of me. I should never come try to compete with LeBron in basketball because he's going to kill me. He's far better than me. He's taller, stronger, more, more skilled. That's his game. If I want to compete with LeBron, what I do is I, I don't just try to win the game. I change the game. I shift the game. I say no. I do not play basketball. My knee hurts. Um, why don't we have a mathematics competition and then do math problems and see who can do the math problems the fastest? So whoever does the best math problem is going to win the game, right? Now that now he'd be stupid to let me take decide the game. But if he was silly enough to do that and be like, okay, I can I can out Matthew. Well, guess what? I'm gonna be the man now. I get to be. We we go into from LeBron supremacy to boy supremacy because now I got you playing on my court. You understand? So when you're talking about power in America, you cannot always go play on the white man's court. And when all you're doing is worshiping money or you're worshiping the quality of a black person by how often they get on TV, well, who controls the money? White man does. Who controls the TVs, The, 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 the television networks? white man does. So if, if I'm praising black people, if I'm, if, I, if every black person that's on TV and has money is put at the front of the line and seen as the most successful black person person in the world, then what's going to happen is you're basically inadvertently giving white people the ability to decide who your heroes are going to be. I heard somebody one time say that um, that it wasn't Jackie Reed, it was, uh, I forgot her name, um, this, this one lady. They said she made black history by being the first black woman to be on Good Morning America. right? And I said, no, she did not make Black history by being the first Black woman to be on Good Morning America. She made white history by being the first Black person on Good Morning America. She did not make Black history because I know how it works at Good Morning America. Good Morning America uh, has a group of executives, mostly non-Black people, who decide who's going to be on that stage. And, uh, and I'll be damned if you're going to convince me that white people have the right or the ability to decide what constitutes black history and what doesn't. If you're letting other people tell you what black history is, and then you're letting them write the books that teach you black history, and they got the teachers that are communicating what's in those books, then why why are you surprised when all the history books put them on top and you on the bottom? Well, you've given them the ability to shape your history You've given them them the ability to write your history. You've given them the, the ability to teach your history. You don't do that. You should define the rules. You should be writing the books. You should be doing the teaching. Get people to play on your court. Stop trying to play, stop trying to win the game and and look at the structure of the game. Figure out what game you're going to play. What court you're going to play the game on. So if you want to know how I think about all this stuff, I don't dislike white folks. I promise you, I don't. But every chance I get, I try to make sure I'm one of the architects of the game and we're going to go play on my court. I sit over in my corner. I told you, I, I just going back when I was telling you about celebrities, the reason I never call celebrities is because I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing that game with you of you thinking that somehow you're better than me because somebody put you on tv we're not doing that i don't need all that i don't need none of that. i i i literally have regained my power by looking at what you got over there i wish you well i think it's great good for you maybe that'll help your self-esteem but it means absolutely nothing to me i've got a whole set of criteria over here right in terms of what you're doing as a husband and a father, what you're doing to contribute to your community, what you're doing in terms of developing yourself and your children and your family intellectually, what you're trying to do in terms of building a legacy that's gonna benefit black people. I got a whole set of criteria over here such that if you want my assessment of whether or not I honor and admire and respect what you're doing, you gotta go over here and and, and go through these criteria. This is my checklist over here. So so you can go to Hollywood and they're going to love what you're doing. I think it's great. I've come to the independent conclusion that what you're doing over there, unfortunately, is not as effective as you might think. You got a big gun, but it's not your gun and you're aiming at the wrong target. But you got a big gun. But again, it's not your gun. It's aiming at the wrong target. You're driving a fancy car. But it's not your car and you're driving it to the wrong city. So a lot of black folks in Hollywood, on TV, famous celebrities, athletes, all that. They got a lot of power, a lot of power. But it's not their power. Somebody could pull that power out in a second. Like this lamp right here, this lamp has a light attached to it. But does this mean that the lamp is a powerful lamp? Does this mean that this lamp is the source of the light? No, this lamp, if I plug this shit out of the wall, this lamp goes dark. This lamp no longer is lit anymore if, some, if somebody who controls the power source decides they don't want to supply power to this lamp anymore. So a lot of your celebrities are lamps, and you think that they're the electric company. They convince you that they're the power source, when really, they're not the power source. They're simply the conductors of power that is controlled by somebody else. So ultimately, I don't want to be the lamp. <laughs> I want to be the electric company. I think that we have the ability to be our own power source, but you got to understand what power looks like. And you got to understand where power comes from, and you got to understand how to control and manage power. If you learn those rules, then what you will find is that you will surprise your friends. You're going to disappoint your friends. Um I disappoint my friends who complain about racism. They think that because I'm so pro black and I say what I'm going to say or I say what I say. That somehow I'm gonna vibe with them when they're sitting around complaining about how mean white people are and the terrible things they do to them, and I and I don't I don't make fun of it at all. I promise you, I don't because I used to be in that same category, but it doesn't bother me because I'm like, yeah, Kanye. Of course, of course, Adidas is fucking you right now because that like, that's why I never do business with companies like Adidas. That was my reaction. Like when I was talking to Kanye on the phone, I listened to him. I like him. He's smart. He's got potential. He's just he's just not really using it. And we sat there for a long time and I was just listening and he's talking about, yay. Oh, talking about Adidas and and then I think some stuff with Kim, you know, is going on and whatever. And, and I'm like, yeah, I understand. I, that's why I, I would never marry a Kardashian. I, I married my wife is Donda. My wife is like Donda. I, the Kardashian type women. I don't even look up to women like that. What in the world would make a man want to marry a woman like that who got famous from a sex tape and has a big fake booty and makes a bunch of money by taking selfies on the Internet all day? I like women who are smart. I like women who have substance. I like women who are melanated. You know, my wife is from the hood in Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana, (laughs) Gary, Indiana is as black as you get. As far as cities go, I wanted to marry a Gary woman. I didn't want, you know, her booty's natural. It's a nice booty. It's very, but I don't, I don't need, I don't, there's nothing about being married to a Kardashian that would even make sense to a person that has any sense like I, I that's how I, I like it like literally my reaction was like, what is appealing about all this? What's appealing about these gay fashion shows in Paris? What's appealing about any of this? This to me, it looks to me like this has caused you nothing but stress and headaches right now. I get it. You know, you're 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 on the radio and TV and, you know, you get to meet really important, famous people around the world and you have a lot of money. But this is a world that I have avoided my whole entire life. You know, I you know, and I, I really encourage you that the to understand that when you talk about white supremacy, here's where I'm gonna end that. And I'm not trying, to, I'm not really trying to diss anybody. I, and I, if I make you mad, if you like, if you disagree with me, just understand that's okay. I, I respect you, I really do. Um, but here's the thing: the thing you gotta understand about white supremacy is that white supremacy is a system, and systems only work within certain a certain context. You know, like if there's a water supply system that's giving poisonous water, the only way the water can poison you is if you drink the water out of the poisonous system. But the water does not affect you if you get out of town. If you leave the system, then the system has no power over you. It's like when I hear about um, Indonesia and they have a system where you can go to jail for having you know, sex without being married and just all kinds of really interesting laws they have over there. Um, I'm married, but if I was single and I didn't want to be affected by their system, then guess where I'm not going to go on vacation. (laughs) I'm not going to go or Brittany Griner got locked up for hashish oil or something. Um, I don't even know what that is exactly. I, I don't know. I don't really smoke and all that. Um, it, because the Russian system says that if you get caught with drugs, You should be in jail for nine years. I don't agree with that. I think that's a crazy, terrible system. So I probably wouldn't be traveling to Russia during a time of war if I was a high profile individual that they might detain to use me as a political bargaining chip. So what I'm trying to encourage you to do is don't be scared to think and don't be scared to think outside the box. And I'm also encouraging you to question every single thing that you think you know question every single assumption that you were led to, grow, that you grew up with. Because um, when you do that, you start to notice things that allow you to really see the world, I think, in a better way. So, um, and, and I say this from a point of happiness. I say this from a point of content. Like, you know, I don't, I'm not saying white people aren't out there or whatever, but they don't, they don't bother me. I don't bother them. I don't, I don't have any hatred toward them because I don't really they they don't have much power in my life to be honest with you, other than maybe YouTube or something because I'm on YouTube or whatever. But but ultimately, I think that that's the best way to deal with white supremacy. is not to go into the system and fight the system because then you're you know it's kind of a weird thing. Like you can't you can't fight in a space that was created by the person you're fighting. You're not gonna win. Like if you come into my family and you try to fight me and you're in my house eating my food with my family, and you try to get power inside my house, you're never going to win that game. You will never have more power in the house I built than me. That's not going to happen. I'm going to keep changing the rules until I finally win. So ultimately, the getting out of the system and building our own institutions is what we must absolutely do if we ever want to be free. I don't fall for the whole idea of black, fa- black faces in high places and how great it is to have a black a black person in a high position at a big white institution, I think you're just surrounded. I think you've just made your life terrible. And I don't think you're ever going to have that ability to really reshape how they do things in a way that benefits the masses of black people. You're always going to have your tokens. You're always going to have your individuals that will do well. You know, every university has a couple of black people. They put on the brochures. I used to be one of them when I was at University of Kentucky. They put me on the cover of the grad school brochure when I was uh, getting my uh, master's in math Uh, there. So tokens will always have a space. But they have no room for the masses, they have no desire to accommodate the masses. So what happens is your tokens do well and your masses get left behind. And that's been the narrative of black people for a very long time. And I really think you have to think ahead in order to change that narrative. You must train your children to be institution builders. They must be trained at an early age to know how to create their own organizations. They must be trained at an early age to create their own corporations. They must be trained at an early age to to understand that there's nothing out here they can't do for themselves. They've got to be trained to build and to build with people that they love. The best way for me to show you that I love you is not for me to go get wealth. It's for me to share the wealth. The best way for me to show that I love you is not for me to just elevate, but for me to elevate everybody and to elevate you with me as much as I can, as long as you want to go with me. Right. The best way for me to show love for you is not just to. Tell you where the white man has food stored, but to actually really show you how to how to cook your own food, how to fish for your own uh, your own your own dinner that day, like to really put you in a position where you're truly empowered on, on an independent level. Like, you know, I, I think for example, Sunday dinner when we go to grandma's house and we're all sitting around watching football and talking about whatever, why not have an economic meeting? Why not talk about ways that we can help each other make money? And, you know, the same so the same way I fed you. Uh, in terms of food, I can also feed you in terms of of opportunity and money and success and and all these other things, you know. And and I think that that is a beautiful thing because that really allows you to live forever. I, I think about that a lot. I lived through I lived through a lot of you actually, you know. I didn't get to have I had one biological child. I have three kids. I get to be their bonus dad, and I adopted a couple of kids along the way. But I, I never really had more kids of my own, and I probably should have maybe took time for that, but I didn't. And uh, But when you all tell me when I'm going all around the world and I bump into you and you show me that your child is like economically intelligent at the age of nine because of something I said to you, man, that makes me feel so good because I know that your kid's going to be here long after I'm gone and that your kid is going to talk to a thousand other people during the course of his life. <clears throat> and that is my opportunity. That's my way of truly having the impact that I want to have. That's me really getting a great ROI on the hard work it took for me to get my PhD there would be no ROI if I kept all this knowledge inside my brain and only shared it with a couple people and only benefited myself because I'm going to die one day we're all going to die one day you know but when you tell me that your kids are, are 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 learning at a high level because you're telling them things that I told you man that's the greatest honor and opportunity you could ever give me that makes me feel so good because I know that your kids are going to be around to see the year 2100, some of them. Uh, their, their kids are going to be around in, into the next century. The, your Their grandkids are going to be around. And here's the thing about freedom, wealth, and power. Once you get exposed to it, you can't go backward. Once y- your child knows what it feels like to be a strong, independent black man or to be a black woman that knows how to make her own money or knows how to go start a business in, in replace, to replace any job, like they're not going to go backward. You don't make yourself dumber. You only make yourself smarter. So they're not gonna not teach this to their children. They're not gonna say, "Well, you know, I was raised to believe that you should have your own business and build wealth and make investments for the future." But instead, I I really think now that it's better to just go out and hope that a white man hires you and and only think short term and never invest and never actually educate yourself and never actually build anything of your own and never actually get any independent wealth. They're not gonna do that. They're not gonna do that. Any animal that learns how to be free is never going to want to go back in that cage. So ultimately, the beauty of what we're doing, the power of what we're doing is we're popping the Pandora's box. And a lot of these ideas that are out there on the table, black folks are not going to go backward. This is why I'm fully convinced that intelligent black people, those of you that are making the investments now, that are making the commitments now, that are building the raggedy little businesses now, that you're going to have more power in a generation that some of these rappers are going to have. Entertainers and athletes won't have power relative to what you'll have because your children and grandchildren are going to be the damn team owners. They're going to own the record labels. They're going to sit toe-to-toe across the table with the Jews and negotiate billion-dollar business deals. They're going to be able to go around the world and make money all around the globe because they're going to understand how economic systems work and they're not going to be sitting around waiting on somebody to give them an opportunity or give them a paycheck. They're going to go create and take their own opportunities. And that's really what it means to manifest. That's what it means to play this game of global economics. That's what it means to have true power. You don't get that just by chasing jobs. I'm not saying that chasing jobs is bad. I'm just saying that um, the celebrities don't have the answer. They, they, they don't know. They, they don't they don't understand any of this. Most of them don't. They understand a little bit. Some of them do. And they're not all bad. But, some, but most of them, you know, they, 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 they don't get it. All right, guys, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you all for listening. It was fun talking to you. I'm going to go out here. I got to give a speech today. I'm at, speaking at this Arizona conference called Women Doing It Big. And um, and so uh, I'll check back in with you guys a little bit later. Uh, by the way, if you would like to uh, learn about some of our programs uh, in the Black Business School, like our Black Financial Therapy Department, you can actually go to Uh And uh, also you can, um, on boyswatkins.com. There's actually something here uh, I created called how to build a billion, a million dollar family with five minutes a month. Uh, that's a lecture that I put together. You can find that on voicewalkers.com and also the five dollar day investing plan is there. So there's a lot of stuff there that you can um, apply right away. Uh, most of it's free or very, very inexpensive. And so uh, the Black Business School is here to serve you. And I hope you'll you'll give it a try. You know, we're really good at what we do. And uh, we believe that the education model, my wife and I were both college professors, but we believe that given that many HBCUs won't survive to the end of the decade, uh, a better model is not for them to continuously wait for money from the government or wait for corporate donations that will never arrive or hope that their uh, alumni donor base can actually grow, which for some reason it's not. I have theories on that. I've talked to you guys about that, but I think it's better for them to reduce their overhead and find more efficient me- methods of operation. So with the Black Business School that's what we designed. We started off virtually and uh we do we do physical events, but we we understood uh from a long time ago that you can get a really good education without spending billions of dollars, you know, on buildings and all this other stuff. So that's kind of what we do and we're really good at it. We're very proud of it. And uh, our focus, our number one focus, our only thought every single day is black wealth, black families and black communities and black power. That's it. We're not really interested in trying to serve others. Uh, we're here to serve you. So take care, guys. Have a good day. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And um, I'll see you guys. So hit the thumbs up button on your way out if you can. And also hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. Talk to you later. Peace. Here
1: we are, The isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who lay. Now, family, we the ones who got to delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. stick to I for three, what did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own, educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten, three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence, ignorance is bliss, but we can turn into intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see, let's break it down, get on Dr. Like voice TV, are.